Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I am extremely, extremely grateful for all of you to coming out tonight. Um, if I could, now I know I'm a pastor, and a pastor has to teach a lot of different things. But if I could, I would teach on the subject of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, continuously. The, the reason being, again, if you're part of this church or if you've been coming recently, you'll, you'll hear me say this over and over again. The Holy Spirit is the most important person for you to get to know right now. Because in this dispensation that we live in, and I know dispensation is a very fancy religious word, in, in, and I could say it this way, in this period of time that we live in, that started when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, up until the point that he returns, is a specific time period in history. And that time period is referred to in the Bible as the church age, or the age of grace. It is a time period between Jesus purchasing our salvation on the cross and that time period between his second coming. Are you, are you catching this? We live in a very unique period of time. Life on earth was extremely different before the cross. Just like if you think of it this way, our, human history is broken up in specific ages. For instance, the time period that Adam and Eve were in the garden before the fall, where the garden was perfect, there was, no, there was no sickness, there was no disease, there was no poverty, there was no allergies, there was none of that stuff, okay? Now, what happened? When Adam and Eve fell, when they sinned against God, they invited sin to come into the world, which sin came, eternal death, spiritual death, physical death, Sickness, disease, oppression, every ungodly thing was invited into this world system at that point. So, so we have one time period between the creation of everything that exists until the fall. Then at the fall, we have another age that leads up to Noah's time. So that was one specific time period. And we know that even the Bible tells us in one of Peter's letters that the world that existed then was extremely different. So, so the world was very different before the flood. Then the flood obliterated everything that was recognizable on the planet. And so when they came out of the ark, they, there was a very different world. And so from that time period and then till the time period of Abraham is another segment of time. From Abraham's time to Moses is another segment of time. Then from Moses' time pretty much goes all the way until the cross, okay? That was the time of the law, all right? So now we live in the best age so far that, has ever, ever, that mankind has ever seen. Why? We live in a time period where according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it tells us there, and we don't pay attention to these verses of Scripture enough, in 20, 21, 22, that God during this time period is not counting sins because he put them on Jesus at the cross. Now, you're going to walk in and say, Pastor said I can go get high. I can go sleep with anybody I want. I can, because God's not counting. No, no, no. You took it way too far, which showed the attention of your heart. <laughs> but since God took all of your sin, my sin, 
And instead of you and I suffering the punishment for them, he took that punishment and put it on his son at the cross. So when people say stupid things like, well, you know, God's going to get you for that. God's going to punish you. No, no, no. That's totally inaccurate. Why? Because God already punished Jesus. For God to punish you now is a slap in the face to Jesus. Now, does that mean that you get away with things? No, nobody gets away with anything. But Jesus paid for what you should have paid for. Are you listening? So, So now we come to this church age, which again began when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. It is complete. It really, more accurately, it's paid for, it's fulfilled. So that was the close of one age and the beginning of another. Amen? So now the age that you and I live in is the age of grace. It's the church age. It's an age that the disciples did not see coming. It's something that was hidden in the Old Testament. Even the people in the Old Testament did not have this idea that someday there was going to be at least a 2,000-year period of time where God would deal with mankind very differently than he dealt with mankind in the Old Testament. They couldn't foresee this. And that's why, and I can prove it to you, because in the book of Acts in the first chapter, you remember uh, Jesus took them out to, to, the, to this place, probably the Mount of Olives. In fact, for sure we know it's the Mount of Olives. And he's getting ready to ascend back into heaven. And they say to him, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Are you not, in other words, are you going to take up your throne? We know you're the Messiah. We know that you're the Son of God. Are you not going to take up your throne in Jerusalem? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates, but my Father in heaven. And he says to them, but you, you, go get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, he's talking to his disciples. Go get and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because you've got a job to do until I return. So at that point in time, Jesus ascended into heaven, yes? Who descended from heaven? The Holy Spirit. So who's here on the earth now? The Holy Spirit. So yes, we pray. And, you know, and, and honestly, scripturally speaking, it's not written, we're not really even scripturally accurate when we pray to Jesus because Jesus instructed us to pray to the Father in his name. And so, so we, we honor Jesus, yes? And, and our attention and our focus should be on him. But he, he instructed us to direct our attention and focus now in this age to who? The Holy Spirit. You got it? Yet, unfortunately, most of the church, and I'm not talking about new beginnings, most of the church in general, there's major, major denominations that don't even recognize that the Holy Spirit really even exists. And that's why you have so many Christians that are, that are just struggling and frustrated and, and just are not, you know, born again, going to heaven, obviously have the Holy Spirit in you because you couldn't go to heaven without the Holy Spirit in you. But Jesus instructed for us to seek the Holy Spirit to come upon us. And that's a whole other experience. I was having this kind of discussion the other day on Tuesday mornings, if you're not aware of it, on Tuesday mornings I have a men's connect group that meets at 7.30 in the morning. And from 7.30 till about 8.30 in the morning, we have a phenomenal Bible study. And the subject came up the other day. We're talking about some of the things, aspects of the Holy Spirit. And, and I, I made the statement, you and I need to receive the Holy Spirit just like we received Jesus. We receive Jesus by faith, yes? And how do we receive the Holy Spirit? By faith. By faith. I'll never forget, I was born again April the 25th, 1984. 
And that, that whole summer was like supernatural, supernatural summer. From that point and that, that, that time in April to, to about August. Now, the church that I got born again in was similar to our church, similar to our church, uh, you know, full of crazy people that raised their hands and, and, and people shouted and laughed and jumped around and had joy and, and stuff like that. And the Holy Spirit was very evident there. And I realized that the people, I, now I was born again, and I had the Holy Spirit in me, okay, because that's the new birth. The Holy Spirit comes to live in you in the new birth. But I realized they have had an experience that I have not had yet. Now, if I would have died back then, I would have went to heaven. But you see, Jesus prepares us for heaven. The Holy Spirit prepares us for earth. Are you listening? This is extremely important. Jesus prepares us for heaven. But he said to the disciples, stay in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. You remember that? Acts chapter 1. So wait a second, Jesus, what are you saying? Did I not receive the Holy Spirit on Easter Sunday afternoon? Remember Easter Sunday afternoon. They're all in one place. They're fearful that the Jews are going to come and get them next, the religious leaders. And so they're there and they're hiding. And Jesus walks in, comes through the walls and just appears. And the first thing he does is say peace unto you. And then he breathes on them. Go read it. John chapter 20 or 21, I believe it is. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So that's Easter Sunday. Turn to somebody and say, Easter Sunday. <laughs> but now, 40 days later, before he gets ready to ascend to heaven again, he gathers them together again and he says to them, you need to receive this power. Now, if you were there, you might have said, well, wait a second, I already received the Holy Spirit. Easter Sunday, yeah, that was salvation. Then there is, a, it's very, very clear in the New Testament that there is a secondary experience for believers to have. Now watch this now. Salvation is available for everyone, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is reserved for believers. I think I talked about this last Wednesday night, about the process of first the blood has to cleanse us, then the oil of the Holy Spirit come upon us. You, get, you catch this? All right, so... I, I, I cannot stress enough, and I cannot emphasize enough, that if you've been a Christian, a believer, but you have not really been very aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Now, he's in there. He's in there. But without experiencing the baptism, the, the coming upon of the Holy Spirit, he resides in you, but it's like having a guest in your house that never comes out of the bedroom. You know he's there. You see food disappearing from the refrigerator. You might hear the TV on all night long, but he never comes out of his room. Anybody ever have one like that in your house? Okay. So, so the, what is the baptism? It's like Jesus says, look, I'm going, but this other one just like me that's going to come after me, he's going to now take you into the fullness. Now watch this now. Do you remember Moses in the Old Testament? Because I know you're all Old Testament scholars. Moses in the Old Testament said to the Israelites, someday, I'm paraphrasing, someday in the future, another one like me is going to come. Listen to him. Okay? Are you following me now? Now watch. Now Moses is a deliverer, a, a type of Messiah. But he only could take them so far. 
before they cross over into the promised land, he's taken away. Who shows up on the scene next? Joshua. And what is Joshua? Now, Joshua is really a a form of Yeshua, and Yeshua is Jesus' name in Hebrew. It means salvation. So, So Moses takes them up to the point of salvation. But now it's Joshua who brings them into the promised land. Jesus takes us to the point of the cross and brings us to the place of salvation. But the empowerment to live on this earth comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the Holy Spirit then takes us and takes us into our promised land. Are you catching this? That's why it's so important. What would you have been like if you were, well, I'm sticking with Moses. Well, guess what? Am I on? What's going on? This was happening on Sunday. All right. Make believe that didn't happen. So now watch this now. What if you were one of the Israelites and you said, no, I'm only going as far as Moses goes. What would have happened? Would they have entered into the, would you have entered into the promised land? No, no, you're going to stay on this side of the river because this is as far as Moses took you. And sadly enough, there's some people say, well, you know, we love this. We love Jesus. I don't know about that Holy Spirit stuff. Well, it's not an option. It's not Jesus said in John chapter 7 that we should receive the Holy Spirit after that he was glorified. He told the disciples, don't do anything, because he knew. He did not prepare. He knew Peter was a loose cannon. He knew John is the one that wanted to nuke the city of Samaria. He's like, these people, they're born again, but you can't let them out of the house. And so he says to them, don't make a move. Stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my father. Are you listening? It is extremely important for you to have the Holy Spirit very active in your life. All right, so... Maybe we would understand the function of the Holy Spirit better if we kind of studied and took into consideration the very first mention of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been in this church for a while, uh, you know, I've taught this before. Just I want you to do me a favor for the sake of those that don't know, act surprised. (laughs) Act like, wow, that's really good. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Now let me stop there. Because God doesn't create anything that's not perfect. If we were to read this in original Hebrew, this is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. Now the earth became formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. I don't want to get involved in this, but there are some Bible scholars that claim that between verse 1 and verse 2, millions of years could have passed. Or a week could have went by. We don't know. But at some point, something happened between verse 1 and verse 2 because God did not create the earth formless and empty and with darkness. You got this? When we get to heaven, we'll all go to Jesus and go, hey, listen, we want to know what happened between verse 1 and verse 2. For now, we got what we need. But I want you to understand, something happened and the earth became a place of chaos, okay? And uh, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, 
And the Spirit of God, the who? What's another name for the Spirit of God? The Holy Spirit was doing what? Hovering. Hovering. I, I picture like, like, a, like a, a mother hen hovering over, over the nest, over the eggs. Okay? Okay. So, and what happens? Verse 3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, we don't know how long the earth lay in that form. We don't know. We don't, we'll find out when we get to heaven. We don't know how long there was darkness over the waters, but we, don't, but we know how it changed. God said, God, now who's hovering over the darkness? Who's hovering over the waters? The Holy Spirit. So now what do we see here? We see God speaks, but who takes the action? Thank you. If you learned that lesson tonight, we could go home right now. Because until you speak what God says, the Holy Spirit cannot take any action. Example, no matter how good the intentions of your heart was, until you said, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you are my Savior. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come into my life. You go to hell. Why? Did God want you to go to hell? No. But until you spoke, are you catching this? Because some of you are looking at me like, I don't know about this. How did you get born? Those of you that are already born again, how did you get born again? You spoke with your mouth what you believed in your heart. So when you spoke with your mouth, the Holy Spirit went, that's it, boom. And what happened, what took place in your spirit? You receive salvation. You're a new creation. You're born again. But until you spoke, the Holy Spirit couldn't do that. Are you catching this? All right, good. So God spoke. The Holy Spirit received the commission to bring light. With light came order, came life, came fruitfulness. And so here's the lesson that we're going to concentrate on tonight. The Spirit of God works in cooperation with God. He needs us to cooperate with him in the same way. Are you catching this? The Holy Spirit is hovering. Listen, listen, Pastor, my life is in chaos. Everything's falling apart. Well, what are you saying? What have you been speaking? What have you been praying? How have you been praying? Have you been praying? Are you listening? Have you been praying? Because the chaos will continue to rule in your life the darkness, the formless, the void will continue in your life until you, like God, I didn't say you were God, but we follow his example, until you speak, the Holy Spirit, all he can do is hover. Are you getting this? All he can do is hover. Now, he's very much, well, how does God let me go through this? Because God's waiting for you to talk. How many times did Jesus come up to somebody, visibly they have a physical ailment? And he would say to them, what would you like me to do for you? Are you kidding me? The guy's blind. The guy's crippled. And you're asking him, what do we, of course. But what did he need? He needed them to thank you. Why? Because God is a gentleman. God is love. He doesn't force himself on anybody. And so you'll sit there and you'll be in chaos and confusion and frustration. And you don't need to be because the Holy Spirit's doing what? And he wants, he's waiting for you to speak so that he can speak into that chaos and bring order and bring light and so that darkness can flee. You catching this? 
Everything in life operates the same way for the Christian. We cooperate with God. You cooperated with God to bring about your salvation. Now, did Jesus, did he not die for the sins of the entire world? Absolutely. For all time, yes? But are there still people that went to hell? Are there still, there might be somebody going to hell right now. And they don't need to. So, so what causes a person to go to hell instead of going to heaven? Lack of cooperation. When a person refused, I don't believe that stuff. That stuff's not for me. I don't believe that stuff. You made your choice. But for those who make the choice to believe, you are in essence then cooperating with God the Father to bring about what? Your salvation. Now, you didn't die on the cross. You didn't pay for it. Jesus paid for it. But in order for you to take hold of it, you've got to do what? Cooperate. And listen to me. That happens in every facet of life. You catching this? So the reality of life as a Christian is found in this. There could be no manifestation of the word of God without cooperating with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves on you, when the Holy Spirit touches your heart or impresses upon you to maybe go read a certain scripture, should I get rid of this? I hate a handheld mic because Italians can't use handheld mics. You might as well tie one arm behind my back. Uh, are you guys okay? Let's just keep going, right? Okay, good. Now watch. Watch this now. Living in the Spirit is cooperating with the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Version. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If, if by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward walking. Here it is. Walk, say it with me. Walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. Pastor, I just have such a sin problem in my life. I just keep falling for the same sin. I, keep tr- I just keep falling for the same stuff. I just, every time I turn around, I'll be okay for a couple weeks, and then I fall back into that thing. Well, watch this. Resistant temptation is cooperating with the Holy Spirit against sin. You are not going to be able to stand against the temptation. Not on your own. But when you sense that something's, when you sense, I'm starting to think about things I shouldn't think about. Don't look at me like that. I'm starting to say things I got no business saying. I'm starting to hang out at places I got no business hanging out. So what are you going to do? I just can't know what to do here. Shut up. Watch this now. How bad as soon as we get an inkling on the inside, because that's how sin operates, it always starts with a seed. It always starts with a thought. Yes or no? If as soon as you sense, oh, 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 that seed's popping up again. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, you promised me in the word. You said in Titus chapter 2, I believe it's in verse 14 or 11. I think it starts in 11. The grace of God teaches me to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts so that I could live righteously and soberly in this present age as I await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What did you just do? You now invited the cooperation of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. What is grace? 
Well, grace is like, like when I sin, God just covers it. No, no, honey, you don't understand grace. Grace is the power of the Holy Spirit for you not to sin. Grace is the empowerment that comes from God for you to accomplish something that in the natural is completely impossible for you. I stand before you as a person who is reliant and completely dependent upon the grace of God. Because in the natural, the old Joe could not stand in front of this crowd without vomiting, without having a panic attack. Completely impossible. You don't believe me? Talk to my wife after the service. It's only by the grace of God. And on a regular basis, every time I'm in service here, my prayer is, Father, by faith, I receive your grace for this service. In between multiple services on the weekend, Father, you gave me the grace. You never let me down yet. And that last service was good. But now there's a different group of people here in this service, Father. So now, Lord, by faith, what am I saying? By faith, I receive your grace, which is supernatural empowerment to do what I can't do in the natural, for this particular crowd who's here tonight. You listening to me? I made a decision a long time ago, over 20-something years ago, probably 24 years ago, when I started to realize, oh, God's calling me to pastor, which at that point should have really set me into a series of panic attacks. But I realized at that point, and I, I prayed this prayer and made a vow, Father, I never want to become a professional minister. I never want to become a professional pastor. I want to be completely dependent on you. I always want to pastor supernaturally. You listening? Now, that's not limited to me. Some of you, your prayer should be, Father, I, I, I don't know how to be a husband without you. So by faith, I receive your grace for me to be a husband, to be a father, to be an employee, to be a business owner, to be whatever. And what happens? The grace comes. Supernatural empowerment. Father, I don't know. I don't know how to be a wife. I don't know how to be a mother. I don't know how to be uh, whatever, a homemaker. I don't know how to be a businesswoman. I don't know how, I don't know how to do this. Uh, father. So by faith, I receive your grace. So why do you keep saying that? Because that's the formula. That is the vehicle for you to tap into and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. In order for grace to manifest in your life, you have to release faith. So I don't know about that. Well, again, I'll bring you right back to the beginning. How did you get born again? You had faith in your heart, yes? yes. Did you not come to a place of faith of who Jesus was and is? Yes. Now, what did you do? You exchanged that faith. You said, Jesus, I believe in you. Bam. When we release faith, what gets released from God? Grace. Now watch this now. The grace is always hovering. There's something, you got, every one of us in this room, you have grace hovering over your life right now to accomplish something that you think is impossible. But if you'll tap into that, you'll, you'll do the impossible. You'll do what has been previously impossible to you. Why? Because you're tapping into the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. So follow and listen. Now we're talking about how do we cooperate? What does it look like to live in the Spirit? What does it look like? Living in the Spirit is Holy Spirit says turn left, you go left. The Holy Spirit says go right, you go right. Holy Spirit says stop, you stop. The Holy Spirit says keep moving forward. The Holy Spirit says uh, march around a city seven times and on the seventh time shout. Are you listening? Are you listening? So, so following the lead of the Holy Spirit to bless somebody, 
is cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Why? Watch this now. Maybe, maybe it could, you know, when you talk about money, people make believe they don't want to hear it, but it's also the most common denominator in all of our lives. Amen. Okay, so now watch this. Let's say Sister Smith has a need. Now, she's praying to God. But you know that God doesn't have a printing press in heaven? Did you know that? Did you know that God doesn't create cash in heaven? Did you know that? Did you know that God doesn't have a checkbook in heaven? You know whose cash he wants to use and whose checkbook he usually wants to write out of? Turn to somebody, say yours. Now, now watch this now. Watch this now. Look at how simple the mechanics are. Does God have any money in heaven? No. Do we need any money in heaven? No. Where do we need it? Here. So where's the money? Here. And it's usually in somebody else's pocket. <laughs> right? On, is this too simple? Now watch this now. You ever need, you start praying, oh God, God I'm going to lose my house. Oh God, I'm going to lose my car. Oh God, I don't have no food in the house, right? And God hears that. But how does he answer? Does he have one of those shoots like the bank has? <laughs> no. What does he do? Now, what does God do? God now, oh man, this is so good, walks to and fro in the earth, seeking somebody that he should show himself mighty to. And then all of a sudden, Dee gets up in the morning and she gets, she's, she's praying or just wakes up and goes, oh, Sister so-and-so has a need in her life. I think God is impressing upon me that I need to go and, and bless that person. And, and sometimes God will give you a figure or sometimes God will tell you go make their mortgage payment or God will tell you go make their car payment or God will tell you go get them a gift card so they can go buy food at the supermarket. Now, you sense that and judging on your past history where God has done that before and then you realize, wow, this is really God. Now, what do you do? You step out and you obey, and so you go to the supermarket, and you go to, you go to ShopRite because you get a better deal over there, and so you get them a $50 or $100 gift card because you know over there it's going to go further, and so then you go to that person's house, or you meet them in church, and you go, listen, the Lord spoke to me this morning and just showed me that there was a need there, and I don't want to make a big deal out of it, but, but here, I just want to bless you. What did you do? You cooperated. Thank you. Thank you. you. Are you getting this? Yes. Cooperation is always sensed and perceived on the inside. You, some of you maybe, maybe heard me tell this story many years ago, before we went out to Bible school. We were living in Lakewood at the time. Across the street from us, it was a little Pentecostal lady, African-American lady. What a wonderful woman. Got to know her later on, but we didn't know her that. It was in the middle of a snowstorm. I used to have a food business in Bricktown. My son's there with me. It's late in the afternoon. We're going to shut the store down early because of the snowstorm. And I said to my son, Joe, I said, Joe, I just sense that we're supposed to bless that lady across the street. I just sense that we're supposed to put a couple of boxes of food together and bring it up. Now, I don't know this woman. I hardly met her. I'm taking the chance. That she's going to think, this is a crazy white boy. Okay? Now, now, come on. Let's be serious about it. All right? So, so, so there's that fear thing that you have to get over. Right? Because the devil, the thought that's going to hit you right away is, they're going to think you're crazy. You're going to hurt that person's feelings. You're going to insult them, insinuating that they don't have enough food. But it was so strong. Put a couple boxes of food together. 
got an envelope, threw some catch in it, put that in the box. Now, I don't say this is brigadier. I'm, tell, I'm, I'm trying to show you a lesson here, how to practically follow. We get home, snow is already probably six or eight inches deep. I said to him, come on, let's go across the street. I knock on the door, and as God is my witness, she opens up the door and goes, come on in. We just got done praying to God because we have no food in the house. You remember? What was that? Cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Now, now watch this now. Watch this now. That little lady could have been praying until 2 o'clock in the morning. If somebody did not cooperate with the Holy Spirit, that woman's need would not be met. Now, let me ask you this question. I'm not saying this to put anybody in guilt or condemnation. How many times have you had that inkling on the inside? That impression. And you let yourself get talked out of it. There's so many times, so many times it'll happen. And I'll say to him, hurry up, take this money, put it in an envelope, seal it before I change my mind. <laughs> Knowing that it's supposed to go to this person or that person or this family member or that, whatever. Now, you want this, you're mature enough to understand. I'm not bragging on me. Do you understand that? I'm just sharing my, my stories of how God blew my socks off so many stinking times throughout this past 35 years. I can tell you story after story after story. But what does it all come down to? cooperating with the Holy Spirit. I was driving down the parkway one time, and it was a period in my life when I was working in construction with my family all the way up in Rockaway Township. Dear God Almighty. About, and we lived in Seaside Park at the time, about two hours and 15 minutes one way. So you got a lot of time to pray, because especially with 287, if it backs up. <laughs> a lot of time to pray. So my habit was, I'm not putting the radio on. If I do, I put, you, how many of you remember cassette tapes? So I put little cassette tapes, worship tapes in, and worship all the way home and worship up there. And this one particular time, I spent the whole time praying in the Spirit. What does that mean, Pastor? Praying in tongues, which is the evidence that you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, we'll talk about it some more. So I spend most of the time just praying in tongues and praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, I hear on the inside, like as if somebody's sitting in the seat next to me, call up so-and-so when you get home. Now, obviously, we didn't have cell phones back then. So call up so-and-so and tell him, I know what he has in his armoire shelf. I'm, I swear to God as I'm standing here. Now, this was awkward. So as he's telling me this, as the Lord's speaking this to me, I'm seeing the person in a picture, obviously inside, with a stack of porno books like this, magazines. Back in the old days when it was hard to get pornography. <laughs> so what do I do now? Thank God I was only five minutes away from home. Because if I had any more time than that, what would have happened? I would have talked myself out of the foolishness of that thing. Yes or no? Yes. But I realize this is important. And I realize God isn't, watch this now, when God shows you something in somebody's life, don't you dare use it as an opportunity to expose. Don't you dare use it as an opportunity to embarrass somebody. God is literally entrusting you with an opportunity to touch that person's heart. If God forbid you use as an opportunity to go gossiping all over the place, God will never, ever, ever entrust you with anything like that again. So I get home, as soon as I get home, I, I gotta make a phone call, just go inside, I gotta make a phone call. Get a phone call, a number of persons answer. I said, uh, go into your bedroom, 
go into the armoire, open it up. On the left-hand side, get rid of that stack of magazines that you got. <gasps> oh, okay. <laughs> what was that? I was doing what? Cooperate. Turn around. Turn and say, turn and say something because you're forgetting it. Cooperating. I got a feeling somebody just got nailed in here. Somebody just got located and went, oh my God, God's speaking to me. You better cooperate. Okay? Now, what was I saying? I forgot because that little interruption took place. Hung up the phone, all right? Now, when I saw that person, what do you think I did? Went up and go, hey. No, you keep your mouth shut. You deliver the message and you let God deal with it. Now, you're going to come across people in life that they're going to want to go, wait, wasn't that something? How, wasn't that something? How, wasn't that something? How God showed me it? Wasn't it? Dismiss that individual. They are not out for your good. And they are not out for the good of the kingdom or, or God's plan. They want the glory for themselves. You listening to me? This is serious stuff. Why? I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to be positioned where God could entrust me with whatever he wants to share with me. Don't you? Yes. So, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or with what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, who was where? In them, was indicating when, it was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories of, the, of, of what would follow. What did you just say, Pastor? What Peter's saying here is that the prophets of what we say, what we call the Old Testament, they knew when God was dealing with them on the inside to write down the book of Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. When they actually obeyed and began to sit down and write all that stuff out, what were they doing? Cooperating with who? The Holy, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the author of the Word of God. Well, I don't know about that Bible stuff. After all, it was written by men. Yeah, a man's hand wrote it. But who inspired them? Holy Spirit. Who did they cooperate with? The Holy Spirit. And if they didn't, we wouldn't have what we have today. You listening? So the prophets cooperated with the spirit of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And by this, the scriptures were recorded. You catching anything tonight? Yes. Are you learning anything? Yes. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16. All scripture, how much? All, All scripture is what? God breathed. When some translation would say God inspired. In the original Greek language, it literally says Breathed, just like when God breathed into Adam, just like when Jesus breathed, breathed over the, breathed, right? Over the disciples. It's the same concept. God breathed into, individual, into individuals, and they cooperated with the Holy Spirit and wrote the scriptures. So all scripture is God breathed. It, it originates where? With God. And is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in what? Righteousness. So life as a believer requires us to live in sync with the Holy Spirit. What do we call an individual who refuses to live in sync? Christian, Christian, what do we 
What does the Bible call or what can we call an individual who refuses to live in sync with the Holy Spirit? A rebel. Rebellion. Rebellious. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, you shouldn't be judging me. I'm not judging you. Got nothing to do with me. But the scripture does say, to him who knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it's what? Sin. So how do we avoid this stuff? Cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's always going to show you. Listen to me, listen to me. Look, the cycle of the way sin works, that we talked about it before, comes in as a seed. If you catch it then, you don't have to deal with it when it starts to bear fruit. And watch this now. If every one of us would be honest, there is always a split-second warning from the Holy Spirit, like, don't do this. Don't click on that. Don't open that email. Yes or no? Don't go to that place. Don't hang out with that individual. Oh, that doesn't sound like love. Don't give me that stuff. (laughs) You know darn well there's certain people you got no business hanging around with. Pray for them. Don't abandon. Pray for them. But like my pastor used to say, if you sleep with the dogs, you're going to wake up with the fleas. Uh, that sounds harsh. No, that's life and death. Because you know, you, every one of us has somebody in our life you got no business hanging. Because when you hang around with them, they're always going to try to drag you back to the past. Family is worse than anyone. And as, as a physician I'm in, as a pastor, I can't tell you how many times, yeah, well, we knew you went. Oh, good for you. But I'm not that person now. Come on now, I'm not that person now. You might have known me then, and you want to keep dragging me back there. Amen. Thank you. That person died. Stop going to the cemetery. Are you catching this? Man, where does the time go? So keeping in step with the Holy Spirit actually means that we submit and rely on the Holy Spirit. Most of us, unfortunately, live like this. You're in a crisis. So you, you, God, you got to help me. God, God, you got to help me out. God, I'll never do it again. If you get me through this, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it. How many times? I'll never do it again. Never do it again. You do it again, you know what happens. So when that crisis mode, man, you're all in. God, I'll, I'll go to China if you want. I'll, I'll go to the deepest jungles of Africa. It's just get me out of this. So you're completely dependent on the Holy Spirit, yes? And what happens afterwards? Uh, okay, God, you got me through. Thank you. I'll take it from here. And you might as well say, I'll meet you back here the next time this happens. (laughs) You getting this? So, I think I'm going to stop here because the next part goes into Jesus' ministry and how he cooperated with the Holy Spirit. And I really don't want to rush that. But I'll tell you what. Here's what I'd like to do. We have a few minutes left in the service. I mean, not that I have to go all the way to the end, but cooperating with the Holy Spirit. Is stepping out in faith on something that God has already promised. Yes or no? Yes. So, 
if I have a need in my life, and I go into the Bible, and I go and find out where God addressed that need, there is no reason for me to just say, well, you know, someday this is going to happen. No. He's already made the promise, and he's already actually delivered on that promise when Jesus died on the cross. Now, I tried this out one time. I don't know if I want to go here because in case this happens tonight, we're going to go over. One Sunday, years ago, we only had one service at the time, I think, maybe two, on the weekend. I came in here one morning, specifically, hadn't prepared any message. All I was going to do was read the scriptures pertaining to joy. I wish I had prepared them. Maybe we'll do it another night. So I came up. At that time, at that time the sanctuary was only half the size. We had hard, cold uh, folding chairs. So to turn to somebody, say, I'm glad I came now. <laughs> we used to have this roof used to leak like a sieve. And I remember one time I was doing a healing service, and all of a sudden, black tar started dropping on people's heads. They thought it was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but I came here that one morning, and I said, Father, there's power in your word. And the Holy Spirit is activated by your word. So I'm not going to try to convince anything. I'm not going to try to make something happen. I'm going to stand here and just read the verses of Scripture on joy. I don't know if you remember this. You were here. I stand up here, and I start reading, reading the, the verses in joy. And all of a sudden, somebody on one side of the room starts going, <laughs> Another person on the other side, <laughs> All of a sudden, somebody back start laughing, more hysterical. By the time I got done reading those scriptures, people were hysterically laughing in here. And it was a supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit. That sounds ridiculous. Oh, really? Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit falls on the disciples. And it says it almost looked like it was like fire that fell on them, right? And they began to speak and praise God in other tongues, in different languages. And the people around them that came from all different parts of the Roman Empire, we're going to go into this more, more, more deeper in the future. The people that from different parts of the Roman Empire all said, we hear them in our own language proclaiming the, the, the great deeds of God. In other words, praising God. Now, the conclusion they came to by what they saw happening, that they must be drunk. And Peter gets up and says, oh, no, no, they're not drunk as you suppose. They're just filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, let me ask you this question. I've used this example plenty of times because I can't come up with a better one. Now, have you ever been to an airport? Come on, let me see your hands. In the airport, do you hear people speaking many different languages as they get off of the planes? Do you assume that they're drunk? Why? Because they're just speaking in other languages. So that tells me then what the people saw that came on the apostles that day, they assumed that they were drunk, could not have been them speaking in other languages. They must have seen something else. What did they see? They saw the joy of the Lord come upon them. They saw Peter staggering, laughing hysterical. John might have been laughing hysterical, maybe rolling around on the temple floor there. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit hit them with such joy. 
Some of us in this room could use a dose of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, one of the commands that the Lord gave me before I started this church when I was still in Bible school was to, de listen to this word, demystify the supernatural aspects of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is a manifestation, it's very natural. It's not a worked up thing. It's not a hype. It's not somebody doing stuff to get attention to themselves. I despise that. Because I realize that people, people have turned contrary to the Holy Spirit because of somebody's stupidity and desire for attention and to make a spectacle of themselves. And if you've ever suffered through that, I apologize to you on behalf of wherever you experienced it. But my goal in this ministry has always been from day one to allow the genuine move of the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants. Why? Because one second in the presence of the Holy Spirit can do things that would take you 20 years Amen. on your own. Amen. So another time I came here and I said, Father, uh, you made many promises in the word about healing. I need, I need some water. And Lord, none of those promises tell us that we have to sit here and beg you to be healed. So Lord, I'm gonna go in there on Sunday morning and I'm just going to stand up, and I'm just going to read healing scriptures. And I did that for about 10, 15 minutes, and the power of God just went, boom. And people started getting healed left and right. I told you the testimony of the young lady that came to this church full of Lyme's disease that had paralyzed her. Her parents carried her in on, on their shoulders, dragging her feet along. I did the same thing. Got up, just started reading healing scriptures. So all I did was read healing scriptures, talk about the healing power of God. We're going to end the service. The worship team came back up again. They're going to play a song. We're going to dismiss. I'm facing the worship team. And all of a sudden behind me, I hear screaming. I hear people all over the sanctuary shouting and screaming and clapping. I turn around, and the young lady who came in at Paralyzed is dancing in the middle of the aisle. Wow. Don't, don't, don't listen. Don't, don't. If you're clapping because you're glorifying God, thank you. Now, I've seen the opposite take place. I've seen the power of God be in the place to heal people and somebody do something very dumb and it breaks that anointing. I'll give you an example. It's a little extreme, but it's the best one I could think of. I was an usher in another church. The pastor's praying for the sick. You might remember this one because I know you were there. A blind girl had come to service that night. Okay? I was there. She's blind. They bring her up. The pastor prays for her. She's telling him what color his tie is. Okay? And then one of the counselors, who I'm sure to this day has repented, said to her, well, you know, you got to stop living with your boyfriend. God's displeased. And what happened? It broke and she left blind. What happened? Did that individual, was she cooperating with the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. 
She was cooperating with, with a religious idea she had on the inside. Why did a pastor, why'd you have to bring that up? Because we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and have respect for the Holy Spirit. And, and listen to me. This is where I was going, and this is why I wanted to stop now. The next time we get on this topic, okay, we're going to talk about compassion. Because we see in Jesus' ministry, every time he moves supernaturally, the Bible says, and he was moved with compassion. And compassion opened up the door for the Holy Spirit to just go and hit everybody that he was in contact with, and every person got healed. What, is it, what are you saying that for? Because Christians have a responsibility to keep their heart tender and have a responsibility to make sure you're operating in compassion, to put yourself, make sure that you're understanding that everybody's going through something. And to not enforce your judgmental ideas on somebody else because God deals with us all differently. He meets us where we're at. You listening to me? Stand up. Now, listen, I'm going to pray a prayer, but then we're going to put some of, these practice, some of these things into practice. I'm going to pray, but then I'm going to tell you this. We don't need to wait for goosebumps. We don't need to wait for, oh, oh, he's here. We used to, we, church we used to went to, go, go to out in Oklahoma in Bible school, where somebody used to get up on a Sunday morning, freak everybody out. He's here, he's here, he's here. You wonder where, where, I don't see anybody. Scared everybody. I don't want no weirdos. Jesus was not a weirdo. Paul was not a weirdo. Weirdos like attention for themselves. This is a no weirdo zone. We should put that on the front window. But listen, we have promises already from God that if we lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. I don't need to wait for goosebumps. I don't need to wait for... Why? Because we're going to act on the word that he's already given us in the promise. So I'm going to pray, and then those of you that want us to pray for you, for any kind of sickness, any kind of whatever you're going through, whatever physical challenge, come up here, but come up here in faith. Because when we lay hands on you, the process of healing is going to begin. Are you listening? All right, close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus... We just thank you so much for what you've done here tonight. Lord, thank you. Father, I just, I'm so grateful. So grateful for every individual that has come here tonight and for every person that's gonna listen to this in the future, God. Lord, your word is powerful, Father. Your word is like fire. Your word is like a hammer. Your word, Father God, sets us free. Now, Jesus, you said, just before you left this earth, the instructions you gave to the church, you said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so, Father, we're going to do that by faith. We're not waiting for any kind of outward signs. We're not waiting for any kind of feelings or emotions. We are just by faith going to do what Jesus said. We are cooperating with the revelation that we've received from the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. We bless you. We honor you tonight. Thank you so much, God, for all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.